This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Just the two Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Best, here on Wacky Wednesday, as always, with my co-host, Sterling Holmes. What a name, so close to Sherlock Holmes. And I think it's fitting, because what you do, what we do here is investigate the Chiefs. And it's kind of a coincidence that my name is Adam Best, which is one letter away from Adam West, who played Batman, who was also a detective. So we're here to do some detective work put the Chiefs under the magnifying glass. How are you, Sterling? I'm doing great, but I'm also slightly confused. Are you about to start singing happy? Is that is that Pharrell over there? That hat? That shirt? This hat. It's a Stetson. And it's a great hat. Oh, oh, fancy. Sorry. I can't. No, it's a Stetson. There are rules, guys. It's a Stetson. It's a Stetson. It's a nice hat. Yeah, it's a nice hat. So... This is what you wear when you try to break a herd of wild buffalo. And for 58 minutes, we had them herded and we let them out. We couldn't lasso them at the end, but we tried our damnness and it was a great game. And honestly, I don't feel too bad about it. We'll get into that. How do you feel about it? Honestly, besides the hat being fantastic, I don't feel bad. I was at the game. I had with Nick Lowry, I think, right? With Nick Lowry, I was in his suite. Shout out to El Bandito Tequila. Thank you for letting us use your suite. That was fantastic. Great tequila as well. It was a great time, but I, I found myself not being too pissed off during the game. Certain situations, angry. Certain calls, I was angry. But the Bills, they're there with the Chiefs. It's Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles, right? Like, they're a great team. We knew it was going to be difficult. Uh, we understood that Von Miller was going to get his. Maybe we didn't understand he was going to get his that much. We would have liked to see Andrew Wiley or Leonard Run Jr. or even the coaching staff try and do something different, right, to chip, mm-hmm. to help extra offensive linemen. We'll get into that more. But I, I found myself saying, you know what? It was a good game. The Chiefs played about a, what, B-minus 
C plus B minus game. And the Bills played about a B or a B minus game. Both teams, I don't think, played close to what their potential truly is. And this wasn't the playoffs. It wasn't. Does this have seeding implications? Probably. But it's not a win or go home. It didn't last did. year. We the thought Bills, it did last year and it didn't, you know? 100%. It's Long not like season. the Chiefs didn't get hammered. They were missing a lot of guys. Yes, the Bills were missing Tredavious White and Micah Hyde's out for the season, right? But the Chiefs were that Willie Gay Jr., Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams in his first extended time was going one-on-one with Diggs and Davis because the front four can't get any pressure for Kansas City. You take a step back and go. A long way from Fayetteville State, right? Yeah, but I'm just saying, you know what? I took a step back and go, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Uh, Before we get into talking more about the game, I want to give a shout-out to Casey Beer Co. I am drinking the uh, Beer Co. Light right now. It is outstanding. If you want a good light beer, Beer Co. Light is it. Uh, They have an amazing Hefeweizen. Uh, It's more of a wheat beer. Great banana uh, notes when you drink that one. Um, They have the Winterbach, which is out right now. I was going to drink the Winterbach, but I have to drive after this. and It's 8.5%. I go, come on now. Let's be a little smart here. Let's not get too crazy. But Casey Beer Co., any type of beer you like outside of Sours, they will have. I mean, they just make a damn good beer. The Hellas Lager, outstanding. The Dunkel. Evan Warner, a listener of the show, always in the chat, he had a chance to go, and he goes, I don't even like lagers or that style of beer, and everyone I had was outstanding. Trust me, if you try KC beer, you will love it. Made with only four ingredients. Get you some KC beer. It is fantastic. Our first award is the Silver Linings Playbook Award. This is what I believe to be true. You have to do everything you can, and if you stay positive, you have a shot at a silver lining. Let's be honest. The NFL has two teams that are atop the summit right now in a tier of their own, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. That is why I chose Just the Two of Us as the intro song by Bill Withers. Now, the rest of the league is pretty terrible. I mean, watching the Red Zone channel on Sunday has been sort of a putrid experience unless you like sloppy football, but there is one other team that could join the mix. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not sure if they are for real yet, as in on the same level as the Chiefs and the Bills, but I guess we'll see. Until then, it's a two-team race. It's a two-team race, old-school Yankees and Red Sox style, and let's break it down. A new receiving corpse, eight rookies seeing significant action. That's kind of crazy when you stop and think about it. They have new leaders on the defensive side of the ball, Justin Reed and Nick Bolton replacing the Honey Badger and Anthony Hitchens. We don't talk about this a lot, but Mike Kafka is gone doing some work in New York. He has that offense humming without, I mean, they hardly have any weapons outside of Saquon Barkley, right? Now the Bills lost Brian Dable and they added a couple pieces, but they, they have more continuity probably than any other team in the league. And this makes them crisp. It allows them to communicate extremely well. Dan Rolofsky and some others have pointed this out. And the game was a coin flip, regardless of all that, regardless of the injuries. Like you said, Trey White was out for them. I think we were the more injured team in terms of people who will actually come back. And it's not a stretch to say that the Chiefs are further from their ceiling and have more room to improve 
than the Bills. I think they will improve more over the course of the season than Buffalo will because they have more room to improve. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot of talk about OBJ. We'll get to OBJ a little bit later on in the show. We have a whole whole segment broken down into So Trust me, we'll talk, uh, not Orlando Brown Jr., uh, we'll talk Odell Beckham we'll, Jr. We'll talk both OBJs oh, today. Both OBJs a little later on in the show. I'm with you to an extent. I do think Kansas City's ceiling is going to get higher um, as, as it goes on, just based on the youth movement they have. I do think the Bills may be at least on paper – have a better team this year just based on they're all in, right? This was a retooling year for Kansas City. We knew it. Unless some massive deal happens at the trade deadline, a Brian Burns comes in. Uh, maybe one of the Washington D linemen comes in. I think you're looking at basically where the Chiefs are going to be. Maybe OBJ does come in and it helps the receiving core out. But when it comes to the defense and who they have, they're not going to go out and get a, a top in corner. I don't think Brian Burns is truthfully coming to Kansas City. Does Trent McDuffie count? Trent McDuffie counts, but Tredavious White counts for Buffalo. I mean, come on. If we're, if we're, if we're saying fair, it's fair, fair, it's fair. Tredavious White is an all pro. Trent McDuffie looks like he's on his way there, but it's a tiny sample size. I love McDuffie. Willie Gay Jr. is going to open up a lot for Kansas City, especially with Nick Bolton. Those two together, it, it's Batman and Robin. And let me but, chime in here. The newsletter that's coming out later tonight, the main thing I focus on in the newsletter is the relationship of Willie Gay and Nick Bolton and how they complement each other and mask each other's deficiencies. So look out for that. I do want to say your point on Brian Dable makes a lot of sense, though. I think it rings true. We've seen what he has done with the lowly Giants. And I think that's a very good point of how impactful was he with Buffalo while Buffalo's offense is humming right now on all cylinders. This is about the peak performance they're going to have. We've, I think seen Buffalo's ceiling offensively. We saw it against Pittsburgh, a very good defensive team, or at least a solid defensive defensive unit. I don't know if we've seen Kansas city's complete ceiling yet. You can maybe say against the Buccaneers, maybe against Arizona, but you're right when there is room for improvement in Kansas City. I just think these are the two best teams. I do think the Eagles are legit. I want to take nothing away from them. I know people want to say their schedule. What did you want them to do, lose? They've won. Jalen Hurts has been impressive. Um, I think there's, honestly, these three teams and then a massive gap, the size of the Grand Canyon between them. <laughs> yeah, we can't be too hard on Philly or the uh, the Eagles fans will – will come to our house and beat the shit out of us. I'm pretty sure that's Throw how they roll. batteries at it, us. I mean, Uber Lining's playbook. We've seen, we've seen the movie. We, we know how they, we know how they do. I live there, man. That's I, right. I, uh, I did, I did riot. I celebrated that Super Bowl up there. I celebrated. As a golfer for years, I've been hearing PXG say nobody makes golf clubs like they do period. You know what? They're right. I went in for a fitting and saw for myself, went in to swing the PXG Black Ops driver, and let me be honest, I was skeptical. Again, I I loved my old driver. I had uh, another very popular big-name brand. I love my driver, but they brought me in to to put it to the test. The PXG driver, it won. It was, I don't know, 7 to 10 yards longer. The dispersion was better. 
And the fitting experience was legitimately phenomenal. You know, I went in being a skeptic and I came out being a true believer. It feels like a premium club in your hand. And not just that, the the ability of, of the actual fitting process blew me away. We went from extra stiff to regular stiff shaft. We tried out different weights on the shaft. We tried different shafts in general. Um, we, we were messing with the weights in the driver going from a 10.5 degree driver down to a 9. As someone who has a high launch angle, who gets a lot of loft and height on their ball, I needed something that was a little lower, so we moved the weights to the front of the club. It, it was such a wonderful experience. I mean, they analyze every little bit of information to get the perfect fitting just for you. Um, again, I was blown away by the PXG Black Ops driver. PXG made me a believer. They'll do the same for every golfer in Kansas City. Visit pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting at PXG Kansas City. Uh, That is 7517 West 119th Street in Overland Park. Get fitted for any club and you'll get a dozen golf balls free. That's pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting. pxg.com slash arrowhead. Limit one dozen golf balls per person. Promotion ends June 30th. Other terms and conditions may apply. See store for details. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's move on to the next award, the That's Why I'm Here Award. That's why I got me here! That's why I'm here! With basketball season here, I had to get in some NBA. This goes to Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju finally showed us flashes of the superstar from back in 2018, recording five receptions for 113 yards and a TD against the league's top defense I think he looked more spry and physical out there this week. A week ago against the Raiders, he was kind of slow and sluggish. And I think Casey needs him desperately. MVS, limited. McColl, limited. Sky Moore, I'm not sure we'll get him ramped up until after the bye. I'm, I'm hoping. And so my question for you, Sterling, is can Juju keep this up and go for 1,000 yards in the year, 1,200 yards in the year? What's your prediction there? Yeah, I think he can. I think this is going to be more or less his his ceiling. I don't think he's going to have a ton of games over 100 yards, but I do think he's going to be the consistent 60 to 80-yard guy game in and game out. Uh, that 42-yard touchdown was incredible. I mean, he just took on two guys. I think he was even slightly surprised that <laughs> he didn't get taken down there. He was like, oh, oh shit, I guess I'm, I'm good to go. And easy touchdown for him. 
but he's been impressive. I, I think some of the numbers have gone under the radar even before this game. He is a guy who I think gets right around 1,000. I said going into this year, he's going to lead the Chiefs wide receivers, not Travis Kelsey, wide receivers with about 900, 950. And he's pacing for a little bit over that right now. Uh, but this is what I think the Chiefs expected from Juju. Is he the most explosive guy? No. But is he someone you can count on? Yeah, I think you can count on him. He's a bull in the open field. I appreciate his physicality. I know Andy Reid digs that. Uh, kind of replacing, in a much different way, some of the yak, some of the yards after the catch that Tyreek Hill provided. You know, they look different, but the result – you get similar results by having someone who can break tackles instead of make people miss. I'm not calling him Tyreek. I think we have to kind of replace Tyreek in the aggregate, if you will. And the missing part of that so far is MVS hitting on these deep routes. But I think Juju in the short and intermediate game, for the most part, let's say 75% of the season is doing his job in replacing the part of Tyreek Hill he was supposed to replace. He's also the best route runner on this team. And that's what makes him so impactful. I think Sky Moore possesses both route running and the speed or elusiveness, right? But McCole Hardman, MVS, they're not going to get confused for being some of the elite route runners in the NFL. Judas Smith-Schuster is not the fastest, but he gets open through precise route running. And I think we saw a lot of that this game. Yeah, we did. We did, and we're going to need to see more of it. And someone noted in the chat that he and Mahomes have chemistry, and that's something that's been missing with Mahomes and McColl. They're they're hardly ever on the same page, and it's kind of seemed like if you go back to camp and if you were listening to what the beat reporters were saying, what the players were saying, there was sort of a mind meld that was instant between Juju and Mahomes. And in crunch time, I think that's going to come in, in handy. Let's get into the next award, the T-Rex Arms Award. But look at my little arms. I can't press the fire button and jump at the same time. Just when we think Marquez Valdez-Scantling has turned the corner, he puts up an absolute dud. The most frustrating moment to me was when he had that 50-50 contested catch ball Mahomes threw up in the first half. That could have been a touchdown. This is why I'm calling him you know, T-Rex Arms because he kind of – you're 6'4". Kyrie Elam, the rookie corner out of Florida for the Bills, is 6'1". You got to go up and get that, man. I, maybe it was a little ill-advised of a pass, but I think when you have a big receiver like that, you assume that he can go up there and win and be a ball winner on contested catches. My worry is that's just not in his football DNA. He's not Mike Williams. He's not Mike Evans. He's more of a uh, Will Fuller type, if you will. Just maybe exclusively a deep threat. And with the Chiefs not able to, to really get anything going with the long ball right now, there are some games where he is almost completely useless. I, I agree with you a ton there, man. I, I think Will Fuller is a very good comp right there. Uh, I, I was with you. He's 6'4". It's, it's one of those situations where he needs to come down with that ball or at least knock it away. Yeah, I get it. It was You can maybe say it was ill-advised, but I didn't necessarily have a massive issue in that situation. You're sitting here going, you think sevens 
will beat the Bills, not threes. I know you want points. I get that whole conversation. I didn't mind the throw. A lot of quarterbacks trust their guys to come down with the ball. He's not, you know, Jamar Chase. He's not Justin Jefferson. But even looking at, let's say, Pittsburgh, like Kenny Pickett is out here just trying to get anything going, throw the ball to George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, anyone. I mean, MVS isn't those guys either, but at least giving him a chance to see what he can do. I don't hate it. Um, I see people saying, why wasn't Fortson uh, Raymond right there? Why was Fortson not on the end of that pass? I would like to see more Fortson in the red zone. He's so effective. Uh, I'm with you there. But again, he's 6'4", man. MVS needs to at least do something in that situation. Either knock it down or come down with it. But it it just seemed, it it, it was interesting. I don't think we'll see that again, at least with Mahomes throwing that up to MVS the rest of the year. Nope. I totally agree. I would like to see Jody Fortson utilized on red zone packages, green zone packages. That is totally in his skill set. And if MVS isn't going to be a ball winner and isn't stretching the field, he's basically Demarcus Robinson. He's a guy that's going to win, run wind sprints out there, occasionally catch a few passes and be a good blocker. And we didn't have to spend $30 million to get that. We could have just re-signed Demarcus Robinson is the frustrating thing. Maybe he... Last week he had a good game, and maybe that's just what we have to stomach with MVS, that one game he'll have 90 yards, and the next he'll have zero. But for $30 million, you would like more consistency. You would like a more well-rounded player. And my question for you, Sterling, two questions. A, should Sky Moore get more more of his snaps? And and B, should the Chiefs even bring – MVS back next year because it is a three-year $30 million deal, but they have outs after year two. They have an out. I mean, after year one and after year two. Uh, I would say yes. And yes. Again, I, the out is after next year's season. Correct. So you might as well bring him back because he's on the contract. He's on the books. I think he can add something. I don't know if McCall Hardman comes back next year. I would prefer to have MVS. I think over McCall Hardman, not hundred percent sure yet. But I think I would. You got to have guys. Come on. I mean, you got to at least have someone to fill up the roster. I think that both guys are better than most folks on the practice squad or anyone on the practice squad. Um, Sky Moore, I'd like to see more of, though. I think it's an Andy Reid Chiefs not wanting to play the rookie, don't want to overwhelm him. But he seems to clearly have the most separation ability on the Kansas City Chiefs at wide receiver. He seems to have the speed and, and, and route running combination. He's given us no reason to believe Sky Moore can't be effective. I, I just think it's a Kansas City Chief philosophy where it's like, well, we have the veteran. We, we brought him in. Let, let's play him. And I'm just sitting here going, but is that the best move for right now? MVS and McCall Hartman, I don't know where they fit into the future. I believe Sky Moore is part of the future. Play Sky more and more. I don't care who loses playing time. There's got to be room to find him. Got to be room. It's not like they're humming at all the cylinders. It's not like you have, you know, Terrell Owens and Randy Moss out there. It's MVS McCole Hardman. Get Sky Moore some more reps. That, that's right. And if you look at my favorite statistic to judge the efficiency of receivers, which is yards per route run, Sky Moore leads our receivers. And the more he plays, that doesn't change. I think he is, you said Juju is our best route runner. Maybe right now, but I think 
Sky Moore has the capacity to be an even better route runner than Juju is because he's just more athletic. He runs a 4-4. He's got some borderline erotic release moves off the line. I mean, those are just nasty. They're nasty. And he can separate. He's tough. I love that play against Dane Jackson. You know, I, I think we just got to get him in more. My my hunch is that they're going to do what they did with Tyreek Hill, which is second half of the season, they're going to unleash him a little bit. Erotic and nasty in one word. I said borderline, borderline. Okay. All I could think, though, was hot and nasty by the band Humble Pie. Great song, by the way. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Uh, let's get into the next award. The It's Karma, baby. Karma, baby. Yeah, Chris Jones, right? The winner of this award is Chris Jones. Jones has gotten screwed massively by refs, not once, but twice this season and many times in the past. So what happened was there, he got a sack kind of late in the game. And he got that sack by sticking out his leg and tripping Josh Allen and Bill's mafia is incensed over it. But first of all, first of all, he was being held on that play. He's being held by David Quisenberry on that play. And there were some questionable calls that went against both teams. I hated the offensive pass interference that went against uh, Travis Kelsey. I hated the unsportsmanlike conduct that went against Juju Smith-Schuster the refs have, this is football. This isn't Sunday school. They have to let these guys talk some smack and, and stay out of the way, in my opinion, because you don't want to change the outcome of a game over some smack talk. That's ridiculous. They were just, they're just bad. I, I don't, we say it almost every year and, and I get it. It's hard, man. It's very difficult being a professional referee. The speed the athleticism, everything you have to watch. I understand it's very difficult. Maybe give him some help up in the booth. I never understood why we have quick reviews. You know, pick the flag up. That wasn't a penalty or that was a play or that was a penalty. We need to call that. It's just so inconsistent, whether it was the, again, Travis Kelsey, OPI, then it was not called on, I believe it was Gabriel Davis. Uh, That was tripping on Chris Jones, point blank, but you're right. He was probably getting held at least a little bit. Juju Smith-Schuster with the taunting, and we saw what it was afterwards. That was so soft. I mean, Sharman Ultra thinks that's too soft. I don't know, man. It's just, it's like the refs want to get acknowledged, and it's so frustrating. We'll acknowledge you when you do your jobs correctly. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll acknowledge 
it's like an offensive lineman, right? If we don't hear your name, you're doing a good job. When you don't hear a ref's name for an extended period, like let's, I sometimes look him up like that guy's doing a really good job. Who's that guy? Like, I don't understand this. Think back to the AFC divisional round game between Buffalo and Kansas city last year. The refs let them play. The refs stayed out of the way. They let them play. And we got one of the greatest games in NFL history. And that, in my opinion, is what they need to do. They need to stay out of the way. But Chris Jones has gotten so many calls against him that I believe this was just karma. He was owed this by the universe. <laughs> and I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. He's gotten screwed so many times. We might have lost the Indianapolis Colts game because of that penalty. And the Raiders one was even more egregious. Yeah. By the way, did you see the what the uh, Spags was doing with the defensive line in that play, the NASCAR package? So he moves Karloftis inside, kicks Chris Jones out. Now, Chris Jones, you don't want him playing at end every play because he's going to have to defend Lamar jo- Jackson on – you know, the option or something, which is cataclysmic. But if you can kind of pick your spots and get him out there against a second string tackle late in the game, he's going to get sacks. And they also had Leo Chanel out there kind of part as part of that blitz package. Really interesting. Maybe more of a sign, sign of things to come with George Karloftis inside on pass rushing situations and Leo Chanel on the field. Very interesting. And it harkens back to what Spags was doing in New York when he had OCU Menorah and Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan and would mix those guys up kind of like a mad scientist. And we got some really fun uh, blitz packages out of that. Uh, it's also because the Chiefs just can't get pressure with four, but that's neither here Truth. nor there for, for right now. Uh, something I want to get into Guys, bear with me. We're doing a deal with with FanDuel. So if you live in a state where you can bet, hear me out, okay? We're passing along this awesome promo for FanDuel customers. Get 150 in free bets plus a three-month subscription to NBA League Pass when you place a $5 bet on any game and use promo code Arrowhead at sign up. Uh, Maybe use it on the Chiefs plus 2.5 this weekend. I mean, come on. Only getting two and a half points. Chiefs are going to win by more than two and a half. Let's hope. Uh, using our promo code Arrowhead is a great way to support Arrowhead Addict. We get a small fee from FanDuel for each new better that uses our code. So if you don't have the FanDuel account, do us a solid. Sign up with code Arrowhead and place that $5 bet. Just like we want to get paid, we want you to get paid. Uh, we like FanDuel because you get paid fast and securely. It's actually what I use personally as FanDuel. And this promotion is only available for a few days. So don't wait. Now get ready. I have to do a little auction voice because I have to get through legality reasons. The If you have a gambling issue. So bear with me. New customers only 21 plus in selected states. First online real money wager only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG and Arizona dial 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, dial 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 
467-369 in Tennessee, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.1800gambler.net. Adam, that was a lot. You got the next one. (laughs) Let's move on to our next segment. In the past, it's been hater of the week. It's been heater of the week. This time, it is hero of the week. We wanted to single out Harrison Butker for kicking a clutch franchise record 62-yard field goal into the wind to tie the game 10-10 to at the half. Just incredible, especially when you consider that he had a pretty severe ankle sprain that kept him out for over a month. And this is his first kick that he attempts is a franchise record during the game of the year into the wind. I mean, the into the wind thing. Well, the, the one thing I'll say about into the wind, it wasn't into the wind. It was with it. Now, was you it? might say, yes, you saw the flag. So the broadcast was wrong. Correct. Yeah. I, I, at the game, it was, Come on, Romo. In, it was swirling in Arrowhead. If you were at the game, you noticed the flags in the very top of the stadium were going the other way, correct? So it looked like it was into the wind. On the field, he was actually with it. We were watching pregame, and he was drilling 70 yarders. And I, I'm sitting there with Nick Lowry, uh, former Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker, right? And, and he's sitting there like, it's going to be a good day to kick that way. Next thing you know, he has the opportunity, and he drains the 62-yarder. By the way, I know he beat Matthew Wright because Wright hit the 59-yarder. Uh, have that record for six days, not even a week. It was six days. Uh, that was actually Lowry's record for 42 years. It was pretty cool being there with him as Butker kicked the 62-yarder. Um, he was very impressed. He thinks Butker is incredible. He thinks he's the second-best kicker in the NFL right behind Justin Tucker. Uh, but, yeah, you're right, man. That, that kick was just phenomenal from Butker. And he did come back and miss a 51-yarder in the second half. We'll give him a mulligan on that. Let him have a few weeks to get his mojo back. The Chiefs desperately need him. I'm not a big fan of kickers, but in moments like that, in moments like the divisional game against the Bills, where the choices are Hail Mary or give the bionic leg a chance, I'm going with the bionic leg. Glad to have him back. He's a hell of a kicker. And it's no shame not being as good as Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker is probably the greatest kicker in NFL history. And if you are kind of the next guy, it's sort of like Chris Jones and Aaron Donald. There's no shame in being second to the GOAT. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Bucker, it was very, very nice to have him back. I feel very much more comfortable with him in the mix. And even a 51-yarder, the fact that we all expected him to make it, that was crazy. We I was expected shocked. him to make it. Yeah, you're shocked when he misses it, and you're like, 51 yards. That's not normal. That's not something that everyone does. A lot of times, kickers can make that kick, but it's not with uh, you know 75 to 80% consistency. We're, we're, we're used to Butker drilling those. So that, I think, is also very impressive. Uh, Raymond says, make sure y'all mention Townsend. Yeah, Tommy Townsend had a great game as well. Give him a lot of credit. He was a, uh, a factor in this game. Uh, he's been pretty good this season. Give him a lot of credit. He struggled with getting balls in uh, into the 20 for the majority of his short career so far. This year, I think he's very much improved. Surfer boy brings it. I'm a fan. <laughs> 
Uh, you ready to get into Hot Take Kingdom, Adam? I think this is what everyone's been waiting for. All right, let's do it. So what do you got for us this week in Hot Take Kingdom? The Chiefs should not, not sign Odell Beckham Jr. And we're doing this because rumors are swirling. Yeah, I'm speechless. I hate it. Give me, lay out this for me because I I am, I am firmly into the OBJ to KC movement. So lay out why okay, I will. the Chiefs, because I this is the first one where I'm like, no, Adam, you are you're wrong. And yeah, I'm gonna, I stop. I stop for a second yeah. because we we're supposed to have some tweets on screen, but we will just skip past that. First off, is the guy even healthy? He's had a laundry list of lower body injuries that are extremely concerning. And when you have guys, receivers particularly, who start having these lower body injuries, think about Kenny Galladay. Think about Michael Thomas. It can zap you of any explosiveness or athleticism that you previously had. That is the first point. The Chiefs made the decision to retool this year. Given the circumstances of Tyreek Hill putting them in a difficult situation, I think it was the correct move to make. And part of that effort was to bring in Sky Moore, who has a very bright future and is one of our building blocks moving forward. So is it really a good long-term strategy to take valuable snaps and targets away from that building block? Last year with the Rams, Odell's yards per route run were 1.57. It's not a very good number. In 2020 in Cleveland, it was 1.79. In 2019, it was 1.81. Is even that good? Again, especially coming off of injury, I kind of feel like just everybody, he's kind of a glitzy, glamorous dude with the style, the big personality. He's very outspoken. Everyone remembers that one-handed catch. And there's no denying that he was a rocket ship at one point in time. Those first three or four years were electric. He was basically Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. Not the exact same player, but his rise and the way he just tore up the league instantly. But Kelsey and Moore put up considerably better numbers than that right now, yards per route run. And Juju is better this year than Odell was last year. It is just one metric, but it really shows you what players can do with the opportunities given to them. Another thing that has to be said, and this was a discussion in Chiefs Twitter that crazy enough, Odell Beckham actually jumped into. I'm going to go up and read this tweet. Someone from Chiefs Kingdom wondered if he was a distraction because that's the label. And Odell Beckham Jr. himself jumped in and said, LOL, I wasn't a distraction there. Speaking of New York, plain and simple, we just weren't a good football team. And we weren't winning games and New York media. And there's nobody that they drafted who's still there. And a complete office change, front office change, I think he meant. Funny how you have a 53-man roster and whole organization. I think he's referring to the Chiefs being such a, a more stable environment than what he experienced in New York. And there's got to be some truth to that. Now, the other thing we've seen about 
him being labeled disruptive is Baker Mayfield is fucking terrible. Look, DJ Moore is one of the best young receivers in the league. He's had three seasons of over 1,200 yards. And this year, he, he can't do anything. I think he had like three catches for seven yards or something the last game. So I don't really begrudge him for being frustrated with uh, Baker Mayfield. But he does have that tag. He does kind of capture the media and everybody's attention. And he's always in the news and a big story. So that has to be that has to be considered. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. All he wanted, to, all he cared about was winning. This, this is the most frustrating tag against Odell Beckham Jr. I, I, I hate when people say he was a diva. He was this and the other. He wanted to win. Did you hear any word, any peep from OBJ when he was with the Rams when they were winning? He wasn't wide receiver one. Was he getting a sh- shit ton of targets? No, they were winning. He didn't care. Was was he, that he because that could have been because this was his last stop? I'm playing devil's advocate here. After getting run out of both New York and Cleveland, this was his last opportunity. If things went south in LA, he might be out of the league. I'm no, serious. You're, you're, you're talking about him like he's Antonio Brown. You know how many chances Antonio Brown got and he still got opportunities? He was not going to be run out of the league. Sure, maybe he wouldn't have made as much well, money. Well, Antonio Brown was playing a lot better than Odell Beckham has been in recent years. I mean, Odell, I mean, Antonio Brown, he looked last pretty year good in the Super Bowl. That first half, first half of the Super Bowl, OBJ looked pretty damn good. I'm just saying he at least inspires fear in the opposing uh, secondary. Mm-hmm. Sky Moore might, but MVS ain't doing that. Judas Smith-Schuster probably isn't doing that. McCole Hartman isn't doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., whether you like him or not, whether you think he's elite or not, at least the other opposing teams think he's elite. That counts for something. I mean, he's a very good player. Do they, though? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I wonder what the people watching think about that. I, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., his entire career has cared about winning. I, I My personal opinion, more than anything. That's why the issues arose in New York. That, t- those, that organization was horrendous. The, the Browns were horrendous. Is he elite at this point, almost 30? I mean, the probably Browns did not. make the playoffs. Sure, probably. But there in was a lot of dysfunction. It, w- w- was there an issue as far as is he, is he elite? Probably not at this point, almost 30, coming off of the, the ACL. Is he still really good? I would like to think so. I mean, Michael Thomas, even healthy this year, Michael Thomas is a different situation because he's perpetually, you know, hurt. But even when he was healthy this year, he looked pretty damn good. Just because you you can name a couple guys who came off of injuries and slowed down doesn't mean they all do. Look in the NBA, Kevin Durant. Torres Achilles, what did he do? Oh, yeah, he's still top five. Kevin Durant is a superhuman. Sure. But you can wipe all that away. And this next point may be all that matters. The team needs help elsewhere, namely an edge or a tackle. Sure. According to Football Outsiders, the Chiefs are 28th in defensive DVOA. At times, they've had this, they've had their moments, right? Bend, not break. But 
I think we're overrating the Chiefs' defense a little bit. It's not then one or the other, you, though. It's not one or the other. It, it may be. Not. It may be. We don't. We still don't have a lot of cap space. What, what, what do you think OBJ's costing? You think it's Tyreek Hill? And it's no draft capital. No, but I do think that we only have room to bring in one significant addition in terms of the cap, unless we clear more space. And that could happen. But both Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. are struggling, which we're going to get to. My preference would be for us to try to bring in another swing tackle and see if he can hold up better than Wiley, bring in edge help, even if it's a, a Carlos Dunlap quality player. And I'm not sure that we have the room to bring in two guys. It's edge is the most important position by far. And it's the most realistic position the Chiefs can take care of, right? I'm not advocating that bringing in an OBJ is going to solve every single issue. Edge is the most important position. But my point here is OBJ costs no draft capital. If you're going to prorate his, his contractual, it's going to be around probably, what, five, six million. Because looking at SpotRack, I was looking at 13.1 million per season was about the going rate, according to them, what mm-hmm. he would fetch on the open market. So 13.1 divided by uh, six games plus playoffs, you're probably looking around $5 million per season, right? Do, do, I don't want DJ Moore. I don't want to give up a, a draft capital and to bring in a guy who's on a three-year $60 million contract. No, that's not what I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for a guy who costs no draft capital and is not going to break the bank. At tackle, let me address this. No. Who are you going to bring in middle of the season right now who's elite? Who, who well, nobody that's elite? elite, but Andrew Wiley is so bad that you don't no, need elite. You don't need elite. No, he's he's been awful. He's then, objectively then when, been then, awful. Then when Niang's been gets healthy, maybe you try him. Maybe you get Kennard in there. But you have I mean, multiple I feel for the guy, there. but I'm not sure Lucas Niang is ever going to get healthy. Sure, but I just don't feel like all of a sudden just kicking tires on another replacement level right tackle is going to all of a sudden make a difference because you're not getting elite there. You're just not. And when it comes to edge, you don't I'm need elite. You. you just they need a, Wiley, Wiley's a warm body who's slightly better than Andrew or better Wiley. play calling or better play calling. Maybe throw in a sixth offensive lineman or have you know when Blake Bell comes back, there you go. There's your tight end blocking tight end. Because how many? How often? By the way, does Mahomes get through five reads? Anyways, come on. How often is a quarterback going to get through five reads? Have an extra blocker. Come on, Andy. It's not rocket science. Well, he uh, did that. He did that against Max Crosby. He did that against Von Miller. I, it's and, Max and Crosby and Andrew Wiley on an island. I, no, Why is no he that's on an not island? what happened. That's not what happened. Jarek McKinnon was out there to chip yes. and help. That and one play, yes. Both Max Crosby and Von Miller spun inside, and Andrew Wiley let it happen when he had help outside. I mean, that is not a schematic or play calling fault. That is on him. That is 100% on Andrew Wiley. Correct. But it's a retooling year to begin with. OBJ is a one-year Band-Aid. Maybe two years if you get some ghost years back there because it's just contracts and and the money situation. Wiley is serviceable right now. Orlando Brown Jr. is serviceable right now. If you try and trade for another random replacement-level guy – who knows? It could be the exact same thing that you already have. You're not getting a massive upgrade. Now, Edge, I will listen to. I will entertain. 
But the thing with Brian Burns that I want to point out to people, strap in here. I know we're getting a little off topic, but I'm heated about this. I'm incensed right now. Brian Burns, he's on pace for 35 sacks through his first four years, right? Right? Sounds right. Yeah. No, he, he is right now. He's on pace for 35 and a half. I did, I did the math already. Okay. Guess how many Frank Clark had through his first four seasons in the NFL? 35. No 35. I'm not saying Brian Burns is Frank Clark. But what I'm saying, the cost to acquire Brian Burns, very similar to that deal. A first and a second as well as then paying him over $100 million. Yeah, he's a great talent. I like Brian Burns a lot. If they traded for him, I am not going to be pissed. I am going to root the hell for that guy. I think he's a good player. But my point is, the Chiefs have already made one decision where the player had a very similar start to his career. Mm-hmm. Are you going to double down? Are you, are you flipping that coin again? I think it's a moot point. The reason being, Clark Hunt, in my opinion, is not going to sign off on trading a first-round pick when we're hosting the draft in Kansas City. I heard that in the past. It makes a lot of sense that he'd want, when we're hosting the draft, our own first-round pick to go up there on stage and have the fans experience that. Just food for thought there. So let's get down to it. Hot Take Kingdom. Are you coming aboard? Are you coming to be part of the kingdom or are you staying outside the castle walls? No chance am I going in. I, I am staying out. I uh, Give me a 60-foot pull. Give me a, a bus ticket. I'm going the other way. Give me uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I think this year you can bring him in. You can bring him in. Take him away from Buffalo. You have a guy you can get separation and someone that Mahomes, I think, could have a great connection with. A proven entity. Receivers have struggled getting separation, and it's true, not mortgaging true. your future. You're not mortgaging anything. Again, I'm not – again, I see that. Yeah, flat, Odell's not – might not go to Buffalo. I get that. It's not a lock, but I'm assuming well, he's to go to a good is, team. Is preventing him from going to Buffalo. I still yeah. think in now, the day he probably point. goes with the Rams. I mean, truthfully, I still think he does. The Rams could give the most money just because they really need someone there besides Cooper Cup. It might just, not matter the way their line is playing. You want to talk about line problems. Their sure. line looks like maybe the worst offensive line in the league right now. So that may be an unfixable problem during this season. And I'm sure Odell sees that. He wants to go back to the Super Bowl, this time playing all the way through it. I still think we can only do one move and the priority should be edge. Yeah, That can we find common ground at least on – Edge being the priority at the trade deadline. Edge is the most important, but I don't think a splash move is going to happen. And I don't think it's going to be what people are probably hoping for. I do think it's potential. Am I in the top end? Is going to be someone from Washington, uh, a Montez Sweat, right? That could be someone the Chiefs go after because the Washington, they're they're horrible. They have a plethora of guys in the D-line who are relatively young, going to cost a lot less than Brian Burns. Uh, that, to me, makes the most sense. If you see that move happen, I think I could potentially get on board. Uh, but again, Brian Burns, I, I'm just seeing too many similarities of how Frank Clark handicapped Kansas City for this many years. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying he's Frank Clark, but we just saw how that played out in front of us. I'm not saying Brian Burns, uh, you can't probably draft him at 32, 
but I'm not saying you have to. A first rounder, a second rounder, and $100 million worth of cap space, if that can equal uh, Brian Burns, then you nailed it. Yeah, that hamstrung the, the front office. I'm not eager to do that again either. Let's move on to Analytics Addict, our next segment. And we're going to focus again on the offensive tackles, Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. Both of those guys are in the top five in pressures allowed among all offensive tackles. Not good, Bob. Not good. Against the Bills, Wiley was credited with nine pressures and three sacks allowed. Three sacks. And Vaughn... Von Miller is a superhuman, so I'm, I wasn't expecting him to stop Von Miller. That would have been asinine. Who can bend like that guy? He's like the limbo world champion, right? But he wrecked the game. He wrecked the game. He had a 60% pass rush uh, win rate on third down. You cannot have that. You cannot have that. Um, I do want to give him props really quick for rocking a Derek Thomas jersey during warmups. Very cool to pay homage to one of the greatest pass rushers and one of the greatest Chiefs that there has ever been. So uh, hated that he blew up the game for us, but loved that he paid respect. Brown surrendered seven pressures. He isn't living up to the franchise tag status. Per Sam Hayes, Patrick Mahomes was pressured 20 times against Buffalo, but only two of those were his fault, and he didn't take a sack either time. I think people are saying he holds on to the ball too long. That kind of refutes that. He's very good at avoiding sacks when our offensive linemen even do, even have some semblance of doing their job and slowing pass rushers down. I mean, yeah, it was a disaster against the Bills. The Chiefs have played their fair share of elite pass rushers already early on this season. Uh, Andrew Wiley, again, I I think some of this comes down to some coaching issues. Uh, I know they've tried a couple times to give Wiley help. Those two plays really stand out. He's not going to be perfect. We can't expect him to be perfect. Not every single player is going to be an all-pro. That's just not the way it happens. Uh, the reason why I'm, I'm easier on Andrew Wiley than Orlando Brown Jr., Andrew Wiley, we knew, right? We knew what he was. He's a replacement-level sure. right tackle. They, they've tried to improve that position through the draft with Lucas Niang, with, with, with Kennard, right? They're, they're trying, but right now, Wiley beat him out, and he's, he's the best guy. He's the healthiest guy at right tackle. It kind of is who he is. Orlando Brown Jr., I'm a little tougher on. If you'd be paid as an elite guy, if you'd be known as an elite guy, if you want the reputation as an elite guy, you can't be below average. You can't be average at best. So that's what's so frustrating to me about him. Uh, again, I'm glad he didn't take that contract at this point because the Chiefs would be regretting it. I know totally. he's probably very irritated he did not sign that contract. I know him and his agent are probably having a lot of long conversations I just don't know what you do during the regular season to truthfully upgrade that to a, uh, a great level. Again, you're not going to have an all pro at every single position. You got to find a way to get it done with what you have, whether that is waiting for Blake Bell to come back, whether that is adding Jody Fortson, Noah Gray on play so that we don't have Travis Kelsey chipping because he is your most explosive, you know, receiving threat. Whether it is playing Jerick McKinnon more because he is great as far as picking up, you know, pass rush. I don't know what the answer is. 
But there has to be something done because obviously what's going on now is just not working. It's not working. One of the biggest problems with giving those guys help, the Chiefs are among the lead league leaders in getting five men, five players out into pass pattern, out into routes. That is really kind of part of their special sauce. And anytime they have to hold someone in to chip and help our tackles, that's less options for, for Mahomes. That's less confusion and less responsibility for the defense. You'd like our tackles to hold their own so that we could continue to do what we want to do offensively. You made a good point about the coaching, but I don't know that it's the coaching on third down. It's maybe they're too comfortable with Mahomes getting in these third and long situations because he's so magical in them. The play calling on first and second down left a lot to be desired on Sunday. The fullback screen to Michael Burton in a high leverage situation. Hated he catches that. it though. Would have been a first down. He had so much room. It would have been, but this guy hasn't handled the ball all night and you're throwing him a pass in this high leverage situation. And I just don't think it was a good play call. If it works, you look brilliant, but you're pulling this guy off the bench and you're asking him to make a play. He's, he hasn't really made all season. I think he made it in the preseason, something similar. But that's a big, big ask. I didn't like it. There were other examples. Down the stretch, you had two three and outs where Mahomes really only had two proper dropbacks where he got to go through his reads and try to make something happen. And they were both on third down. I don't like that. I don't like putting him in a situation where we have to have that third down Mahomes magic every time because he'll do it half the time, maybe even 60% of the time, but he can't do it every time, especially when, you know, he's got one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and he's getting blasted. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of issues that go hand in hand. It's not just a Wiley or Orlando Brown Jr. Problem, to be honest with you. I think the coaching has some issue. I do think Mahomes has some to blame as well. I, there was one play that really stands out when Orlando Brown Jr. actually pushed Von Miller on a speed rush well behind Mahomes and Mahomes kept dropping back and you're sitting, dude, step up. And then of course, Andrew Wiley lets a guy through. But again, this is a multifaceted issue. It's not just going to be one thing that fixes it. It's going to have to be every single part of the Kansas City Chiefs coming together to try and analyze, diagnose, come to a conclusion and improve from here on out. That was a great rep by Orlando Brown Jr. You saw a lot more of that last year. He's got, he's got the technique. He's got the feet. He's got the size and the strength. There's just something missing this year. And I wonder if he was so focused on his contract that maybe he didn't have the typical offseason. It, it seemed rather foolish for him not to have an agent for a lot of that process and to wait so long, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will also say one last thing before you take us into our next segment. Trey Smith being banged up the majority of the season has not helped. He's not played how he did last year. And I wonder if him being right there with Andrew Wiley, if there's any any, any issues going on there. Uh, but that is definitely something to note. Uh, and again, Flapjack, I like that. For a 4-2 and two team, I feel like we got a lot of issues. Uh, yeah, it's easy to complain. We're sitting on our, yeah, our asses just sitting and, and talking shit. We're just sitting here. We're four and two. <laughs> lost to the Bills and a, a collapse against the Colts. I mean, come on. We're picking the nits. We're <laughs> picking the nits. 
Yeah, Trey Smith had a couple of rough reps, and hopefully the bye week is going to arrive at the perfect time for him and allow him to get back to being his old self in the second half of the season. Let's go on to our next segment. This one's called The Blueprint. This is something we're doing for the first time. I'm pretty excited about it. This one is Belichick Bully Ball. Sterling, I don't know if you saw the Browns-Patriots game on Sunday, but it was an eye-opener for me. Did you see any of that? Only part. Only Only part. So the Browns, we think of the Browns' defense as a pretty good unit, correct? Mm -hmm. Last year, they were something like 11th defensively overall. But they're kind of small. They're fast. They're talented. But they are small. And that's kind of the trend in the league. A lot of nickel, a lot of dime, a lot of speed. This is how they're dealing with more neutral game script passing, the RPOs that really make it hard for linebackers. That's how the league has shifted. And Buffalo front and center, one of those teams. So what does Bilicek do? And he talked about this on the documentary on HBO, The Art of Coaching, where he had a very enlightening conversation with Alabama head coach, Nick Saban. And he said that the key to coaching is winning the personnel battle. And we hear so often how he zigs when the rest of the league zags. And what he did on Sunday from his running back to his tight ends, he kind of went jumbo and he bullied them. And it wasn't just about establishing the run. It was about even in past situations, play action situations, putting putting the Browns' defense in suboptimal positions. And the interesting thing about that offense in New England, they don't have many stars, but they have a lot of interesting pieces. And who does that remind you of? We have Travis Kelsey, but outside of that, no real stars, but a lot of interesting pieces. So I really liked what the hoodie had, what he did on Sunday. I thought it was an amazing game plan. He's known for catching other coaches off guard, most notably Sean McVay in the Super Bowl, really embarrassed him, I thought. And not only can we learn from this and maybe adopt some of this strategy when we play teams like the Bills, we're lucky. We're really lucky because the Patriots play the Bills twice. And if anybody can diagnose undiscovered flaws when it comes to that Bills roster and their tendencies, it's, it's Bilicek. And hopefully he will give us a blueprint throughout the season to do that. Everyone remembers last season, he beat the Bills with, with his quarterback, Mac Jones, throwing three passes. Three passes, dude. That's just unheard of winning a game with that little pet, pet passing. Only he could do it. Uh, I know I'm kind of worshiping at the altar of Bilicek here. He's not the best drafter. He has his flaws. But when it comes to kind of figuring out where the league is going and getting ahead of that, kind of going the other direction and scheming things up for the opponent, nobody in the history of the NFL is better. Yeah, it's impressive what he's done even this year. That team is horrible. I mean, there there may be a six-win team. I say going into this year, that's one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I go, I guess we'll give him six wins because of Belichick. But but man, he's he's done a great job. Uh, you're right. They just find ways to get it done. Uh, was it Zappy? Fucking Zappy's out here. Bailey Zappy, baby. Bailey Zappy. I, I mean, you got to give him some credit. But 
I think we also know, I like your point on, on finding the Bills' flaws. If a, if a team can do what is him, I, I think we kind of know the Bills' flaws. I, I think we kind of know. It's it's a relatively weak secondary, especially with Tredavious wide out, and for sure Micah Hyde out. And then it's their inability to run outside of Josh Allen. Only issue was they found a way to run early on against Kansas City. Devin Singletary was gashing uh, on the ground. But again, that came from the offensive line. And again, I think it just exploited what the Chiefs' biggest weakness is, and that's the defensive line. Well, what I'd like to see us do more in the next matchup against Buffalo, get away from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's too small. And if you really want to punish Buffalo, you use 13 uh, personnel. You get, hopefully, Blake Bell will be back. You use him. You use Fortson. You use Noah, Noah Gray. And you run the ball using our biggest back, who is Isaiah Pacheco, our, our most bruising, our most physical back. He's even bigger than Ronald Jones. I don't think Ronald Jones may ever see the field this year. That would be what I would like to see. Utilizing Clyde Edwards Alaire so heavily in that game may be one of the things that cost us a victory. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily completely disagree. I do think we'll see Pacheco more as the season progresses. It just comes down to, and we don't know because we've not seen his pass block, right? But with the offensive line being as poor, at least giving up as much pressure as they have so far, I think they trust Clyde. I think they trust Jared McKinney when it comes to picking that up. I don't know if this shows they do not trust Isaiah Pacheco yet in that situation. Yeah, both CEH and Jarek McKinnon had some awesome pass pro reps. One from Jarek McKinnon, their linebacker Edmonds was on a blitz and just rocked him. But he stood in there and took it. He stood in there and took it. I think he's one of the toughest guys on the team, along with Justin Reed. No fear in Jarek McKinnon. But let's move on to, I don't know if it's everyone's favorite, but we have a lot of fun doing it. Spot the fake. So what we do in this segment is I will up. Got a piece of paper blocking so that way I can't see the comments. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We can't let you cheat. So I will name places or events from Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. All the dorky franchises, fandoms. And Sterling will have to figure out which ones are real and which ones are fake. And then he has to pick the fake. So today's spot the fake is which of the following are not characters in the superhero show, The Boys. Hopefully you've not seen The Boys. I've never even heard of The Boys. It's considerably darker than any of the other superhero fare out there. It's a fun show. It's a fun show. It's on Amazon uh, Jeff Bezos is just trying to have everything under one tent. That's a different topic for a different day. But let's let's uh, see if you can figure out what character is not a cast member or a character from the show, The Boys. First, we have Homelander. Then Mother's Milk. Black Noir. And lastly, Iron Fist. I can repeat them if you need me to. Homelander sounds like Outlander, which was a movie. Uh, Mother's Milk is an album by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, Black Noir is a type of film. That's like just just type movie. 
back in the day. And then Iron Fist is what you rule with. So I, I frankly have zero idea. I'm going with Mother's Milk because no fucking way. Mother's Milk is a character. Yeah. Yep. Um, is it Homelander? No, Homelander is the big bad. He is one of the better villains to come along. Anthony Starr is the actor, I think, who plays him. He's fucking fantastic, man. Just Okay, a, then, it, then is it Iron Fist? It is Iron Fist, yeah. Gosh. Iron Fist is a Marvel character, uh, had a Netflix show that wasn't very good, but Iron Fist is the fake. And once again, I win. I stumped you. I rule. Yeah, dude, I have no Going to have to make these easier, I guess. No, come on. I'm up to the challenge. Hey, as long as our audience gets a kick out of it, we will keep doing it. But let's get to our parting shot. This is a quote from Groucho Marx, the one and only Groucho Marx. When you're in jail, a good friend will be trying to bail you out. A best friend will be in the cell next to you saying, damn, that was fun. Chiefs Kingdom talked our smack and expected our team to prevail over the Bills. They did not. So Bills Mafia gets to thump its chest and we have to take the L. But we'll take it together and we had fun along the way. Remember, champions are crowned before Valentine's Day, not before Halloween. From Sterling Holmes, I am Adam Best. Go Chiefs! mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.